Welcome to Axios Pro Rata, where we take just 10 minutes to get you smarter on the collision of tech, business, and politics. I'm Dan Permack. On today's show, the trade war none of us can afford and the Green New Deal might be getting a movie. But first, the place that Amazon forgot. So it's been three months since Amazon decided to scrap its so-called HQ2 project in Long Island City after some residents and local officials expressed displeasure with tax breaks and other subsidies included in the deal. And when Amazon bailed, so too did the promise of 25,000 jobs and billions of dollars in expected investment, plus all of the anticipated ancillary benefits like the need for new hotels and coffee shops and it's New York, so artisan food trucks. Despite some of the opposition, polls showed that most New Yorkers, including most Long Island City residents, viewed it as an opportunity squandered. But then a funny thing began to happen. Amazon seemed to make Long Island City cool for other companies, not because it showed up, but just because it accepted the original invitation. Axios's Erica Pandy reports this morning on how companies big and small have begun streaming into Long Island City, basically taking advantage of the same infrastructure that Amazon had planned to leverage. Plus those tax breaks, some of those were existing programs that Amazon made famous or infamous, but which any company could use. The bottom line here is that when it comes to building a metropolitan tech hub, sometimes you can win by losing. In 15 seconds, we'll go deeper with Erica Pandey. But first, this. Axios Chief Technology Correspondent Ina Fried shares breaking news and analysis on the most consequential companies and players in tech, from the Valley to D.C. Subscribe to get smarter faster at signup.axios.com. And now, back to the Pro Rata Podcast. We're joined now by Axios reporter Erica Pandy, who covers Amazon for us. So, Erica, you write this morning that in Long Island City, there's a before Amazon and an after Amazon. So let's go in order. What was the area like before Amazon, before it seemed possible that they were really going to go there? It was like a lot of these neighborhoods that are kind of at the boundary of Manhattan, a lot of abandoned infrastructure, empty buildings. And there was a lot of affordable housing and there were communities a little bit further inland in Queens, but right there on the border, a lot of empty space. City, the big tenant had just moved out and left this enormous glass skyscraper. And it was very similar to, you know, what South Lake Union in Seattle was like before Amazon moved in. And they're very comfortable with that kind of wide open industrial wasteland kind of a space. Okay. So now after Amazon, which is today, right? And and you've been there recently physically. What is it like now? These co-working spaces, these kind of millennial paradise co-working spaces have just sprouted (laughs) out of the ground. There is one called the Falchi building, one called the factory with kind of, you know, donut slash hot dog shop on the ground floor, that kind of a vibe. They're everywhere. And these buildings that Amazon was going to use as kind of a beachhead to get into New York have already been, you know, grabbed up by other companies. So who is in these businesses? So this isn't just a question of infrastructure got built and now the new infrastructure sitting abandoned. You're saying real corporate clients have moved in here. Right. The big one one that's public is the St. Louis healthcare company Centene has grabbed 500 million square feet of that same glass city building that Amazon was going to move into. That's about a third of that massive 1.5 million square foot building. And then another tenant is grabbing, um, and they haven't, you know, they wouldn't tell me the name of the other tenant, but the other tenant is grabbing about 300,000 square feet. So, in, you know, it's just been two months and all of that space is already getting scooped up. Did Amazon itself actually put any shovels in the ground to actually build anything? Or is all this stuff that was, and obviously the city building was built years ago and, and it was it was going to be repurposed for Amazon, but is all this other stuff 
things that other private companies and private contractors have done, or did Amazon actually build anything? Amazon hadn't actually broken ground. So, I mean, from what we know about what they're doing in Crystal City, I'm sure there were plans to build on top of what was there, but the first step was to move into that building. You make a comparison here, not not to Crystal City, which is the area in, in Virginia where Amazon now is putting HQ2 or, or putting, it was always going to put half there, but is now putting all of it there, I guess. But you make a comparison to uh, Dumbo, kind of this Brooklyn neighborhood. What's the comp there and, and why did you mention that? Yeah, I think Dumbo is an interesting way to look at isolate this Amazon effect because Dumbo and Long Island City are both these Manhattan boundary neighborhoods. And both are these areas that when big tech and when companies want to come in, there isn't a lot of space in Midtown and south of Midtown that can absorb big satellites. So they're going to places like Dumbo and Long Island City. So before Amazon came out and said, we like Long Island City, both of these neighborhoods, according to commercial real estate folks I spoke to, were trending kind of similarly with the same amount of interest in Dumbo buildings and LIC buildings. After Amazon Amazon, Dumbo has maintained that same interest, but there's been this undeniable spike in Long Island City. We saw after Amazon decided to bail, you know, there, there was some celebration among some folks, some legislators, some activists, some, some local folks uh, in Long Island City who didn't really want Amazon there. But the polling showed that, that the majority of folks did want them there and were disappointed by what had led to that. When you talk about the resurgence of this area kind of in a post-Amazon world, is there a reason to get a sense that the public tide has turned a bit? Is this big enough for folks to to have forgotten about Amazon? In other words, I guess, is this a big enough rebound? The rebound is definitely there, but no one is really paying attention to it. And there isn't going to be 25,000 jobs are not coming in one fell swoop. And there isn't enough happening to garner that kind of activist pushback that Amazon saw because it's going to be slow and steady. It's going to be smaller businesses, smaller spaces, smaller bursts of job creation, or maybe just moving people there. So the same effects are going to happen, but without the 25,000 jobs and perhaps without that big subsidy package. For the folks locally, you know, for the people who had wanted Amazon and who were disappointed in February when it bailed, is there a sense among them that, you know what, we lost the thing we really wanted, but what we're getting is a pretty good consolation prize, or is there still disappointment over Amazon? It still hurts back. I mean, like I said, those 25,000 jobs are not coming back. Amazon would have changed the area much faster than other businesses can. And it would have revitalized probably much deeper into Queens. And now it's going to be much slower. And, you know, La La Land City was always going to change, as all parts of New York will, as the city just keeps getting bigger. But Amazon would have been something totally different than what we're seeing now. Erica, final question. There was a lot made of the tax breaks and, and other subsidies that Amazon was going to get had it put itself in Long Island City. And, and you saw... You know, some politicians, you know, suggested via Twitter mostly, you know, oh, look, now it's $2 billion we can spend on other things, which kind of misunderstood how this worked, right? Amazon was going to generate a certain amount of money. And in this case, what has happened to those tax breaks? Have they been reallocated at all to other companies? How's that worked out? Right. I mean, th this wasn't going to be $2 billion back in the coffers. It's the, all of those incentive programs that Amazon was going to take advantage of are still there, you know, including a, a big one called REAP that gives $3,000 in Long Island City per employee per year for companies that want to relocate there. Are companies like Centene, you mentioned, which moved into part of the city building, is it taking advantage of that program, that REAP program? That's something I'm, I'm trying to look into next. I'm not sure yet, but I really do think that 3000 per year per employee would apply to Centene. Erica Pandy, reporter at Axios covering Amazon Forest. Thanks so much. My final two, right after this. There is more news out there than ever before, but these days, it's harder than ever to find it and to know what to trust. Axios AM takes the effort out of getting smart by synthesizing the 10 stories that will drive the day and telling you why they matter. Subscribe at signup.axios.com. And now, back to the Pro Rata Podcast. 
Now it's time for my final two. And first up is the escalating trade war between the US and China, with each side accusing each other of bad faith in recent negotiations. And just for some context on how long these talks have been going on, I use the US-China trade conflict as the lead item in a demo of this podcast months before we launched, and today's show is episode 157. So the latest is President Trump's threat to levy new tariffs on $200 billion worth of Chinese goods this Friday if more progress isn't made, with the markets vacillating between believing Trump and believing he's bluffing. What everyone seems to agree on, however, is that a trade war would hurt the global economy, which has weakened even as the US and Chinese economies have strengthened. If our two countries begin slapping at each other, it could result in a global gut punch to everyone else's appetite for risk. And finally, Axios' Sarah Fisher and Alexi McCammond scooped this morning that freshman Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is in talks with a documentary filmmaker to chronicle the Green New Deal's policy journey. Chances are this would end up on a streaming service like Netflix, where audiences are more in the Green New Deal's younger demographic and where they seem to crave news programming after having cut the cords that had delivered long-form programs like 60 Minutes. For AOC, bringing in the cameras could put pressure on colleagues to be more supportive. And we're done. Big thanks for listening. And to my producer, Tim Shovers, have a great National Teacher Appreciation Day, particularly to Monica Coyle, my second grader's homeroom teacher. And we'll be back tomorrow with another Pro Rata Podcast.